This is The High Road with author and registered psychotherapist, Dr. Marlene Bizzub. Dr. Marlene speaks to the heart of people who need to be lifted up and get out of the muck and mire that often accompanies major life changes, such as divorce or separation. Dr. Marlene will aspire to help parents of divorce to love their children more than they hate their ex and to learn to take the high road. So please welcome the host of The High Road, Dr. Marlene. Good morning or good afternoon or good evening, depending on where you are. This is Dr. Marlene and you're watching The High Road on Bold Brave TV Network. My guest, and again, I've got to quit calling you guest. My um, co-host today is George Sally, an attorney and has been an attorney for many, many years. Welcome, George. Glad to have you again. Always great to be with you, Dr. Marlene. Good morning from my time zone. Yes, <laughs> which is my time zone. I hope. Um, I hope you moved your clock back. On Saturday or Sunday, actually. I moved my clock, but I didn't move my body. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Well, once again, we have a great show. Um, as I've been saying the last couple of weeks, I have been drawing from things that happen in my cases. I'm still actively practicing, probably more than I really care to. Um, I can't say that. I love it or I wouldn't do it especially difficult work like this. But ironically, we were talking last week about step parents, and that's why I had to have you back on, not that I wouldn't have anyway, but we already started this discussion. And then I had a situation this week that I will share with our audience and with you. I told you a little bit about it. Um, but our takeaway message with step parents, typically always is, I'm not going to say typically, always is there's an art to being a good one. And you can be a good one or you can be a bad one. And you can either help things along and be the children's greatest asset in their life, or you can be a pot stirrer and a troublemaker and you can make everything worse. And um, there's a fine line sometimes between one or the other because you have that boundary and some parents can walk right up to that boundary, but then know when they've hit the line. Others just go right on over that line and don't even notice it's there until they're way beyond it. And they look back and say, oh, there was a line there, you know, and by then it's too late. So just that point alone, our takeaway message, do you want to comment on that? Do you agree with me on that? I, I absolutely do. And I think that there's some responsibility to be taken by the, the biological or natural adoptive parent. And if they abdicate all that responsibility, then they can be part of the problem instead of part of the solution. And sometimes I, it's easier because of the dynamic in their own relationship to simply mm -hmm. sit back and be passive about it. I'm so glad you said that because that's part of the dynamic in this case. The dad has ab abdicated, that's hard for me to say, that responsibility um, or the activity with the child. 
to the stepmom. Um, we have group texts in this case. And I hope all these details help people and I hope they learn things that are possible in these cases. Because the group text, I've got one with myself, the dad, and the child. And that's because dad was on um, supervised parenting time for a bit due to stepmom. And then I have a group chat that's stepmom, child, and me. And so I can see in these group texts how much the child is communicating with dad and how much the child is communicating with stepmom. And it is always now, not that kids can't text because they can text us as parents. Sure, they can. But it is always the parents' responsibility to reach out to kids. But when I say parent, I mean parent. And again, not that a step parent can't. But what the dynamic I'm seeing in this case is dad is not reaching out. Therefore, child is not responding and she's not reaching out on her own either. Stepmom is reaching out frequently, more times than not by far, I'd say probably five to one. The child is not responding, but stepmom keeps texting. Child who's 13 eventually responds. And I think that just perpetuates step, stepmom's tendency to text, but it's stepmom texting, not dad. So your point is very well taken that that parent may choose to sit back and be passive, but then that just further creates or perpetuates the problem. I think that's true. And, and in the relationship between the parent and the step parent or the new spouse or significant mm -hmm. other, Sometimes it's easier for that parent to simply sit back and, and not undertake his or her responsibilities, which contributes to the problem because there's not going to be a vacuum of parental authority. Someone's going to fill that vacuum. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's absolutely right. And in this case, because dad doesn't really have much of a relationship with this girl, he is happy to sit back and let stepmom do it, but stepmom is creating some problems, and I don't think he knows how to step in and, and take care of that, and has even taken the opposite approach, and is now, if you will, siding with her, supporting her in her bad behavior, and saying, oh no, she's absolutely right, and I'm like, no. She is not absolutely right. And I will fill the audience in on more. Uh, well, I might as well just dig in. So several years ago, when this girl was about 10 or 11, um, dad, may, and I don't want to give too much information because I never want to reveal what case we're talking about, of course. But dad um, had a relatively minor complaint about mom. But what he did was filed a motion with the court as though it was significant, even though it really was not. And he got way more than he bargained for because in the process, some communication came to light that put stepmom in a really bad situation and cast her in a bad light. Well, she put herself in the situation, but it was revealed 
And then the whole thing turned. Instead of mom being the target of the court's concern, it became stepmom, which ultimately, George, you know what that means. That was dad. Dad is the one with parental responsibility and parenting time, not stepmom. And so whose parenting time got restricted? Well, of course, dad's. And, you know, when you ask the court for something, you better be careful what you ask for, because you might get what you wish, except it might be turned on you and you might be the one to get the restricted parenting time, as in this case, or whatever the court's remedy might be. Uh, that's true. And from your narrative, it sounds like this dysfunctional behavior has been going on for quite a while. Well, it has. As I said, the girl is now 13. She was about 10 or 11 when it began. I was not on the case then. I did get it over a year ago. I'm going to say probably close to a year and a half ago now. But um, the problems just continue. And again, without revealing too much information, and then you and I can kind of unpack this and pick it apart, if you will. Um stepmom has continued to be critical of mom. So dad now has some unsupervised time, but now stepmom is back on her, I hate to say high horse, but it really is high horse, of pointing fingers and placing blame at mom, directed toward mom. Mm -hmm. And the stuff that she is claiming now is stuff that I would not know how they would prove it. It's things like emotional abuse, because um, I'll tell you this much. I think we can share this much with the audience so they can understand what we're talking about. But the daughter is saying, um, I don't want more parenting time than this amount. And stepmom is saying, she's saying that because she doesn't feel safe telling her mom she wants more. Well, how do you prove that? Mm -hmm. And how is mom responding to all of this? Oh, you know what? She's been, as I would have expected, she's been a jewel. She is sitting back saying kind of what I'm saying right now, prove it. My kids mm -hmm. do not feel that way. And her behavior exhibits the exact opposite. So, for example, in my office, the last time they were here, that mom and daughter were here, Mom said, would you like for me to leave the room? And I followed that up with, yeah, would you like to talk alone? Oh, no, 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 no. I want my mom to stay. But then, so she has offered and she offered three or four more times during that roughly hour long appointment. And how can you say, oh, the child knows that she can't talk to you alone. And she knows that mom's going to get upset with what she says when mom offered to leave. Mm -hmm. And I even said that to stepmom and stepmom said, well, she doesn't feel like she can say yes. And I'm just <laughs> not buying that. I'm just not seeing it. I'm not, I'm not buying it. So you can imagine George, what I'm going to do. I'm going to insist that I talk with the girl alone. I'm going to go pick her up from school, take her to Starbucks and we're going to sit down and talk. But I can guarantee you, and we will report back to the audience in a couple of weeks, how this turns out. But I can guarantee you this is stepmom being a pot stirrer. 
And I'm going to let you comment from there. You want to take it? Well, I, I think the concern that, that this raises for me is that this child is going to be eager to exonerate herself from all the drama and how that occurs could be healthy or unhealthy. But certainly yes. by the time she turns 18 or thereabouts, uh, she will be withdrawing, at least emotionally, uh, from all the drama. She may be drawn to either healthy or unhealthy peers. Uh, and so the parents are really setting up uh, potential damage to this child by all this drama. And the child sounds like she is severely manipulated. Right. And this will be no shock to anyone, or at least not to you and me who work in this uh, profession. She has very adeptly learned how to manipulate her parents. And, and that's, that's of great concern because yeah. for future relationships on her part, uh, she may see navigation of manipulation as the appropriate way to have a relationship. Right, because that's what her parents or uh, step-parent in this case is doing. And so it's no great shock, again, that she is the one who went back to dad and stepmom and told them all about this conversation. Now, I can pretty easily see what that's all about, because to me, that's pretty clear. She was afraid, or not afraid, she knew it was going to come out eventually anyway, that she has said she does not want more time. And so instead of letting that come out and waiting for dad to approach her with it, she brought it up to dad and stepmom preemptively. But then, you know, they said, well, you don't want more time? Well, it was too hard for a kid that age to say, no, I really don't. She said, well, I knew that would hurt my mom's feelings. I knew it would upset her. Truth is, she's afraid of upsetting dad and stepmom. And stepmom. She doesn't want, yes, she doesn't want to hurt their feelings or her feelings, stepmom's feelings. And when I suggested that, oh, no, they are certain, as you and I have talked about on here before, that they are the ones getting the real feelings from the child. She knows she can tell us the truth and tell us how she really feels. Well, I've got news for parents out there who think that. Both parents think that. Both of you are saying, but I'm the one they tell their real feelings to. Right. Again, right. how do you prove? How does someone like myself prove which are her true feelings other than talking to her. And even then, do I know that I'm going to get her true feelings? Or that she just wants it to stop. And right. so she, whoever is putting the most pressure on her at the time, she mm -hmm. tries to pl placate that parent or that parental fi uh, figure. Um, so she just wants it to stop. And of course, the expectation is that you fix it all. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? I am happy to do that. I mean, sometimes it's an impossible task, but quite frankly, that's what we're here for. And this kind of drives the point home that people in this situation or these types of situations need to find people, I hate to say this, such as myself, to help navigate through this. 
because otherwise you can see the mess this little gal would find herself in here without some professional help. Well, and they don't have much time left with a 13-year-old. No. And you know my prediction is if they don't change something fast, by the time she gets to be 18, she's probably not going to want to have anything to do with any of them, but certainly not stepmother. Right. And and the concern is, how does she fill her need for validation, affirmation, uh, and affiliation? Is that with appropriate peers or inappropriate peers uh, or a, a too early uh, relationship with uh, a boy or a man? Uh, so they don't have much time left before the damage is severe to this child. Exactly. Exactly. Which is why I've approached it head on. But I have to tell you, these are tough situations. And again, you're talking about things that can't be proven. No, and and this dysfunction has been going on for a long time. I mean, from your narrative, uh, it was going on for a year or so. Uh, noticeably before you were involved in the case. And yes. so it's of great concern that it's continued. They, I, I, I have concern as to how receptive they are to your advice and counsel. Well, as you can imagine, they insist, in this case, dad and stepmom insist that this is emotional abuse on the part of mother, that the child is telling them how she really feels. And like I said, I am quite certain, and I'm going to share with the audience why, I am quite certain she really doesn't want more time. And the reason I say that is dad and stepmom have moved into a new home in a new community. They aren't even still here in town. They're in another town not terribly far away. But it's a new home, it's a new environment, new community, new neighborhood. And a lot of kids, and this is a message to our parents out there too, a lot of kids are simply not comfortable going back and forth, especially to a now new home that she's Mm -hmm. totally unfamiliar with, has no idea what her room looks like if she even has a room in that home, which I'm sure she does. But I'm quite certain. I mean, when you look at that perspective, you can see where the kid probably is telling them the truth or telling mom the truth and me that she doesn't want more time. And I have no dog in this hunt. I have no reason, you know, there's no reason for kids to tell me something that they think I want to hear because I don't want to hear anything in particular. I want to hear how they truly feel and what I can do for them. Well, at 13, this child is probably already perceiving uh, who's running the show and would just as soon absent herself from that influence. Yes. Hence, we don't get responses to stepmom's texts most of the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't hard for us to figure out, but boy, our parents out there sometimes can be rather blind, which is why we're talking about this today. Um, As always, our time goes by fast, and it is already time for a break. Um, But we'll pick this back up where we left off and um, unpack it further when we come back. 
This is Dr. Marlene. You're watching The High Road on Bold Brave TV Network. We'll be right back. What if there were a super tiny device that could diagnose the brain and is smaller than a single human hair? What if you could see inside the brain to help an epilepsy patient during surgery or to help the fight against Parkinson's disease? Dr. Patricia Broderick is proud to announce the Broderick Probe, a biomedical and electronic breakthrough. Imagine a probe to help with the understanding and potential cure of brain-related diseases. To learn more, listen live to the Easy Sense Radio Show with host Dr. Broderick, Wednesdays, 7 p.m. Eastern, on the Bold Brave Media Network and TuneIn Radio. And to help support the Broderick Foundation, please go to Easy sense.com and learn how with your help we can fight these horrific brain disorders that's easysense.com to learn more and help support the broderick foundation author radio show host and coach john m hawkins reveals strategies to help gain perspective build confidence find clarity achieve goals john m hawkins new book Coached to Greatness, unlock your full potential with limitless growth. Published by iUniverse, Hawkins reveals strategies to help readers accomplish more. He believes the book can coach them to greatness. Hawkins says that the best athletes get to the top of their sport with the help of coaches, mentors, and others. He shares guidance that helps readers reflect on what motivates them. Rediscover and assess their core values, philosophies, and competencies. Find settings that allow them to be the most productive and track their progress towards accomplishing goals. Listen to John Hawkins' My Strategy, Saturdays, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. Welcome back. This is Dr. Marlene, and you're watching The High Road on Bold Brave TV Network. Before we went to break, we were talking about step-parent relationships, the do's and the don'ts. In this case, we are talking about serious don'ts. Um, and, you know, George, the first issue, first and foremost, that bothers me about this is the over-insertion of a step-parent in the situation. I don't know what possesses some people you know, like you were saying, this girl knows who wears the pants. She knows who's running the show. And I don't understand why step parents, some, feel the need to run the show, over insert themselves. I just don't, it never goes well. So I don't know why they do it. I, I think sometimes it has to do with the insecurity of the step parent resentment toward the natural or biological parent uh, and the way they act out like that is because they're they're uh, feeling that resentment they're feeling insecure about themselves uh, and they try to overcompensate by by helicopter parenting if you will and um, but I'm, I'm extremely concerned for this girl because of her age and her stage of development and all this drama going on. I wonder if she has any extended family that she can be close to, or she can uh, absent herself from the drama and the conflict by spending time with a grandparent or something like that. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because 
the grandparents are in mother's parents are in mother's home. And so we do have that, although that's a whole other issue that father and stepmother have brought up before too. And we won't get into that today, but you mentioned a very important point. I'm proud of you for knowing this. <laughs> and that is um, the stage of development. This little gal, and this is another way I know that what she's wanting truly is to not have a whole lot more time with dad right now, or at least not overnight. I didn't share that. The things she's asking to not start yet are overnights. Well, in the adolescent stage of development, there is a task of gender identification. It's a need, but it's listed under tasks of that stage of development that kids will gender identify with the same gender parent. And teenage girls often want to spend more time with mom. Teenage boys often want to spend more time with dad. And this is a very real, natural developmental need. And this is another way I am certain that when she says, I really don't want more time right now, and I don't want overnights right now, she means it and has some legitimate reasons for feeling that way. How is her social development in terms of uh, school activities and relationships and so forth? You're not going to believe it. Well, you will believe it. It's going to be exactly what you would predict. She's very involved, but she's very dramatic. She's a drama seeker. Yeah. Understandably so at this point. And that's why yeah. I say I'm, I'm extremely concerned that these parents don't have much time left uh, to untangle to fix all this. of this. Right. To right. Fix it. Right. Yes. Because part of that, just to educate the audience, part of that is personality type for sure. You know, if you're a real introverted kid, you're probably not going to get caught up in a lot of drama or create drama yourself. But she is, by personality, a gregarious, outgoing, you know, she's definitely an outgoing girl, okay? But the part that the parents are creating is the drama aspect. If they didn't perpetuate or display all this drama, I don't know that she would become so dramatic. But she has become dramatic, and that is clearly environmental. I, I wonder how you structure a circumstance where she feels safe uh, and like she doesn't have to perform to meet somebody's expectations. Well, I think you heard me say I'm, my plan is to pick her up from school mm-hmm. and take her to Starbucks. Because what better environment for a kid to just let their hair down and open up than Starbucks? She's not going to do it in my office. Right, right. Yeah. And and I, I'd be interested to see how and when this child would feel comfortable and relaxed uh, in the arrangement with the parents uh, and how she doesn't have to perform yes. to meet some parents' expectations for her. And how insightful of you, although you and I see this all the time, 
but you're making such a good point to our audience that that's exactly what this girl is doing by the situation they have created. Mm -hmm. This is them creating it. Like I said, by personality, I mean, she's very um, extroverted and, you know, very bubbly and outgoing, but the drama part is all created. That's environmental. So, you know, we've got nature and nurture and the outgoingness is nature, but the drama is nurture. People say, oh, some people are just, just dramatic people. Not really. I mean, they are outgoing, but becoming dramatic is something that you pick up on from your environment. And a lot of it is the TV shows that you watch or the video games that you play or what you see on Facebook, what your contacts post on Facebook, things like that. Well, and her age is is of, of great concern to me, given the drama surrounding her. Uh, I, I wonder where she turns to feel comfortable and safe and like she's not uh, on stage for someone. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is such a good way of putting it, you know. And uh, to me, the answer is, after I work with her, that we are able at some point to sit down with both parents and stepmother and hash this out. And that's going to be very difficult. I mean, I'm going to have to prepare her for that. But at some point, it might be when she's 15, but we're going to have to do that. Well, very difficult given the length of dysfunctional behavior in the parents already and the idea that, that they're in a self-serving manner so convinced that that each one respectively, that one is the one who's getting the, the real story from right. this girl. Right. And here's another aspect. Now, this is my theory, and I want to hear what you think. And I've known you a long time, George. I don't think you'll agree just to agree please feel free to give our audience a different perspective if you don't agree. But I have a gut feeling that since stepmother caused the initial issues that led to father's time being supervised, that she has a real desire to fix it. But the way she's going about it, as you and I know, is all wrong. But And you would think she would have learned from the first situation that no, this isn't the way you go about it. But I feel she is trying to fix what she messed up before, and she's just making it worse. Any thoughts? Well, from my perspective, it sounds like this is a case where the parties have the potential to spend a lot of time and money with lawyers and in courts. And the idea that they're going to litigate their way into a healthy, uh, safe a uh, productive environment for the child is misplaced at best. Well, it is. And think about the amount of money people do spend on even me. I mean, I'll be the first to say it. When you behave like this, you're going to have a hefty bill. But it's a choice. Uh, it, it is. And it, the only way I can see to approach it, and I'm, I'm, stepping on your toes a little bit here is to convince the parents of uh, how much damage they have the potential to do to this girl, especially at this stage of her development, if they don't stop it. Right. 
Right. And usually that is what will reach the heart of a parent. I don't know about step parent, but the parents, I am usually able to reach their heart by telling them what they're doing to their child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, and, it's really, they don't have a lot of time left to take the high road. And it's yeah. critical that they do and do almost immediately. Right. Yeah, it's going, going on for some time. And mm-hmm. the child already has probably accrued certain amount of damage from the modeling behaviors that she's been subjected to. Uh, and to try to right that ship, if you will, requires pretty immediate action and pretty significant um, uh, modification of their own behaviors. And whether they're willing to accept that uh, or not is a big issue. Yes, it is. And if you don't mind me pointing something out that you've shared before with the audience, but I know it isn't, it isn't pleasant, but you have been in a situation where a step parent over inserted herself into your situation. Can you describe at all for the parents what that felt like as a child? Well, I was frustrated that, that my biological parent was completely passive in the situation. Mm-hmm. And, and I knew that I recognized that uh, I might not have articulated it in a way that I would now, uh, right. But I certainly recognized that. I was very frustrated by that. Um, my other biological parent was uh, an, an absentee in the whole situation. And so I really felt uh, abandoned, um, nowhere to turn, um, very frustrated with, with how I was being raised, what I was being required to do by the step-parent. Uh, by the amount of uh, authority that she had with regard to me. Uh, And I really was eager to get away from that. Yes, I'll bet. And would your message, I don't want to put words in your mouth, would your message to this father be step up and get your wife under control and take responsibility, it's your child? Well, there's no question about it because I went to my father and I told him in my adolescent manner, I said, I want to take my orders from you. Yes. And his response was, well, that, that's just not practical. So now I recognize that he had completely abdicated his responsibility as a parent uh, and allowed uh, or this situation to exist and actually enabled it to exist. Uh, it would not have existed without his uh, his participation or non-participation, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was extremely frustrating for me. And I, I recognized it at, at about that age, 12 or 13, um, and, and felt very cut off, uh, very disconnected from any parent or any parental authority or role. Uh, and it was a very frustrating situation for me. And I turned to extended family. Fortunately, I did not turn to inappropriate peers, uh, but I could have. Yes. And, yes. and that would have been a shame. But that's my concern for this girl that you're describing. Yes. And she has the propensity 
to do that, to pick up on some bad behaviors as a way of coping. But, you know, you and I see it all the time and that's what kids will do. I mean, these are prime situations for kids to get involved with alcohol or drugs or, um, you know, just inappropriate behavior. They get involved with a mate much too young. Um, sometimes premature sex. I mean, doing things way before a time they should because they are seeking some kind of love, acceptance, no fighting, and they'll sometimes do unhealthy things to try to find that. Well, and that's why I hope for her sake, she has uh, a peer, uh, a sibling, um, some role like a, a, a teacher, uh, someone that she can turn to and feel safe with uh, and not expected to behave in a certain way uh, where she can be herself and herself is good enough from her point mm -hmm. of view. Yes. And nobody is shooting on her because we throw a lot of shoulds out there. And I think this kid is getting that. Well, you should tell your mom how you feel. No, she should tell you how she feels. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mom, mom knows what's going on. I mean, there's no question about that. Yeah. Yes. And is she a more involved parent? Maybe even kind of sort of a helicopter parent, but not quite that bad. Yes, she is. But this goes back to when parents are together, often one parent is kind of in charge of the kids. They manage their schedule. They get them to appointments and activities. And then when they separate, they often continue in those roles. But again, that's why I'm saying father needs to get the message that you need to step up here. Yeah, and I think father's passivity started long before uh, these parents ever separated. And yes. he's just continued in that role and maybe accelerated his passivity to an extent. Yes, and now has a wife who will happily take that on. And it's just inappropriate to be that involved in the child's life when you're a step parent. And to that degree, you know, the nature of the things she's saying. She told me that we needed to do an intervention. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, what's an intervention in a situation like this? But my first thought was, who are you to make such a suggestion? That is not her place. And I'm glad she loves the child, but... Would you agree a statement like that is not the place of a step parent? No. And, and the ironic thing is that the intervention or the intervening, what needs to occur is with the step parent who suggested it. Yes. Right. Right. And that's the tough task that I have, you know, even before the child ever sits down with all of us. Yeah. I, I think. You, you have your work cut out for you to convince step parent that she is uh, acting inappropriately because I'm sure that, that she is convinced uh, absolutely uh, with religious fervor almost that she is totally appropriate and the only hope this child has. Right, right. Well, she even said the only hope the child has for a, um, a chance of a normal life is for her to be with dad. And, uh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll 
discuss that one more too. It's coming up on time to take another break. So we'll come back to that. Let's go ahead and and break now. But this is Dr. Marlene. You're watching The High Road on Bold Brave TV Network. We'll be right back. Did you know that your beliefs create your entire reality? But it's the subconscious beliefs that do most of the creating. Belief Shifter and Life Coach Shiraz can help you identify those limiting beliefs and eliminate them, often in a single session. Like it was almost instant, like I had relief right away. Creating better health, relationships, careers, and finances. Let Shiraz help you step out of safety and into awareness. Definitely something's happening. Uh, it's like a, a flow inside. Yeah, it feels good. Whether in person or online, Shiraz provides personal coaching, belief shifting. Visit Shiraz at energeticmagic.com or call 416-529-7429. Energetic Magic on the BBM Global Network, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Find your greater happiness. Be well. Be aware. Be magical. Are you struggling to care for elderly parents or a spouse? Do you wonder if being a caregiver is making you sick? Are you worried about taking time off work to care for elderly parents and balance work, life, and caregiving? Has caregiving become exhausting and emotionally draining? Are you an aging adult who wants to remain independent, but you're not sure how? I'm Pamela D. Wilson. Join me for the Caring Generation radio show for caregivers and aging adults, Wednesday evenings, 6 Pacific, 7 Mountain, 8 Central, and 9 Eastern, where I answer these questions and share tips for managing stress, family relationships, health, well-being, and more. Podcasts and transcripts of The Caring Generation are on my website, PamelaDWilson.com, plus my caregiving library, online caregiver support programs, and programs for corporations interested in supporting working caregivers. Help, hope, and support for caregivers is here on The Caring Generation and PamelaDWilson.com. Welcome back. This is Dr. Marlene, and you're watching The High Road on Bold Brave TV Network. My guest today is attorney George Sally, and we are discussing step parents and their over involvement and my tough task of trying to get this stepmother's behavior under control. And um, I really am afraid that just from some of the language she was using, like the intervention um, and things like that, that we're going to end up back in litigation. And I am quite certain it's going to go poorly again for father and stepmother. Well, I think stepmother's statement that, that the only chance this child has to thrive is to be with dad is really a veiled statement of saying uh, the only chance this child has to thrive is to be with me. Right, right. Absolutely. Good insight there, George. But seriously, that's right. That's really what she is saying. Because again, dad is, has been, always will be a passive parent. And now it has become really a fight, if you will, between the two women, the mom and the stepmom, except mom is not participating 
And again, their comment to that is, well, she has everything she wants. She's got things the way she wants it. Well, no, she's just sitting back and letting me do my job. But this is where it gets tough in these situations because we do have to confront people. And a statement such as that, that the only chance a child has for a normal life is if she's with dad, when dad has been so passive in her life, I mean, first of all, it shows a lack of insight on her part. But second of all, there is no upholding the relationship between child and mom by stepmom. I would not trust her to uphold that relationship if they did have more time with the child. No, and and she's very close to emancipation. That time goes by quickly. Uh, I was very fortunate. There was actually an actor who uh, kind of took me under his wing and and said, why aren't you in school? And I said, well, I'm bored with it. And he said, pick up a book, read it a few pages. If it's boring, put it down, pick up another book. He said, you'll find something that interests you before you run out of books. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he, he was very, very correct in that. And one of the most satisfying conversations I ever had when I was 18 or 19 was with my stepmother, uh, and I said, I have a mother and you're not it. <laughs> right. And, uh, and sometimes we need to tell them that because they really do overinsert themselves sometimes. And they don't realize the child really doesn't appreciate that. No. And, and so uh, not every kid has a mentor or someone who takes them under, under wing, so to speak, uh, and steers them in the right direction. Uh, and, and that's a real concern. And that those years from, 13 to 18 go very quickly. And there's a lot of developmental things that are going on there. So uh, stepmother reforming her behavior is critical. Yes, it truly is. And in the Colorado statute, the best interest of the child statute, which if anyone ever wants to look it up, if you're in Colorado, it's CRS 14-10-124. 1410-124, but it's the best interest of the child statute. And it says in there, one of the items that judges look at is your ability to foster. Well, you've said it before. You say it perfectly. You can say it verbatim. The uh, Foster the sharing of love, affection, and contact between Correct. the child and the other parent. That's the wording, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Well, and obviously this stepmom would not be able to do that, is not able to do that, and wouldn't do it if they had more time. No, in fact, it would be more of an alienation situation. It would, and she would feel justified. And and that's the concern. I I, I think the, the focus of your work on stepmother, you have your work cut out for you because she's probably very, very convinced that she's absolutely correct in her position. Yeah. Yeah, she does. And, you know, it's sad because reeducating these people when they are sure, you know, that's emotional abuse and, you know, just the language that was used, it's like, Man, that borders on alienation already. And if she was in a position of power or having more time with the child, authority over the child, that would not go well. 
Well, hopefully the parents can come to their senses and realize that all this manipulation is harmful to the child. And if they really love her, uh, they need to stop it and prioritize her health emotionally uh, above their own emotional uh, needs that they're trying to meet. Yes, exactly. Well, we are out of time again. It goes by so quickly. But thank you, George, for being here. We will come back to this and visit it again as it develops along. But it's a good example of good and bad step parenting, and we see a lot of it. This is Dr. Marlene. You've been watching The High Road on Bold Brave TV Network. We'll see you next week. Tune in to The High Road with host Dr. Marlene and gain insight into how to rise above tough circumstances and learn the skills that will help you take the high road in your life, no matter what challenges might come your way, on the next episode of The High Road.